I'm Justin Charity. I'm Cameron Collins. We're two staff writers at The Ringer. Welcome to Damage Control on The Ringer Podcast Network, a show where we unpack what excites, upsets, and divides us in popular culture. This week, we're talking about Taylor Swift's reputation, about Meek Mill going to jail. But first, we're going to talk about Louis C.K., sexual harassment, and the bad men of Hollywood. How do women still go out with guys when you consider the fact that there is no greater threat to women than men? We're the number one threat. To women! This week, the New York Times dropped a long-anticipated report on the sexual misconduct of the comedian Louis C.K., who's been accused by five women of either forcing them to witness or listen to him masturbate without their consent. This is fresh on the heels of multiple allegations made against the actor Kevin Spacey, among others, which started when the actor Anthony Rapp alleged that Spacey attempted to assault him when he was 14. And then there's the broader context for, this, of course, uh, the over 80 women who've accused Harvey Weinstein of rape, assault, and harassment, as well as the over 200 women who've come forward to, to accuse the director, James Toback, and many, many other men. It has been a rough few weeks. Charity, I have a feeling we're in a moment. Check me if I'm wrong on this. I'm watching in real time, immediately, or almost immediately, Louis C.K.'s career just end. Am I am I overreading this as the sort of immediate repercussion of the fact that these allegations, which have, have been sort of rumors for a long time, rumors that surface in the New York Times, HBO's immediately dis- distancing itself from Louis C.K., FX has distanced itself from Louis C.K., other comedians are starting to distance themselves from Louis C.K. Mm. Louis C.K. has put out an apology where unlike a lot of other people who have put out quasi-apologies in response to sexual harassment allegations, Louis C.K. led with saying the stories are true. Right. The stories that the New York Times reported out are true. I did shitty things. I'm going to attempt to explain to you the impulses that led to me doing these shitty things. I'm going to attempt to characterize these shitty things as past behavior that I no longer do anymore. But the stories are true. I'm not going to deny that. I'm going to read a little bit more from the apology because I think it gives some context for the question that you're asking about whether or not his career is going to end. What I learned later in life, too late, is that when you have power over another person, asking them to look at your dick isn't a question. It's a predicament for them. The power I had over these women is that they admired me, and I wielded that power irresponsibly. I've been remorseful of my actions, and I've tried to learn from them and run from them. So to the question of his career ending, I think that this is the kind of apology that is going to encourage many people. In fact, I've already seen this to forgive might overstate it, but I think he's going to get a lot of credit for being thoughtful as Lucy K, whenever he's been provocative in his comedy, has tended to be given credit for being thoughtful, for being smart. I think we're already seeing people sort of say, well, Weinstein didn't come clean in this way. Or, well, Kevin Spacey sort of came clean. Kevin Spacey's willing to admit that he's done bad things in the past. He also doesn't claim to remember these things. Some of them, some of them he has denied. Lucy K., on the other hand, is putting himself before us in shame, as he does in his comedy all the time. So his career ending, I don't know. I think people will be inclined to forgive him. I also think that for many people, there's a difference. There's certainly a functional difference between raping someone and jerking off in front of them. But I think in the case of career ending, that might be splitting hairs. But I think for other people, it's not. Sure. I read that apology and thought, this is 
I mean, on a very strange scale. It's of a low standard. It's a low standard. <laughs> it's a it's low the most standard. sympathetic sort of apology that I've read yes. linked to allegations like this. And so maybe there's a sense of forgiveness or sympathy you might have for Louis C.K., the figure. But even then, one of the things you'll notice online right now is people recontextualizing bits of Louis C.K.'s stand-up right. or of the show, Louis, in light of what we know now. Right. And to me, even if you even if you look at Louis C.K. himself sympathetically, it's just you look at his art, you look at bits of his art now, and I, I try to think of bits of his art that he will make going forward after this, and my mind's always gonna be like, No, no, I don't I don't want this. <laughs> I don't want this. I should say up front that I would be perfectly content if he never practiced in comedy again, if he disappeared. An important part of his comedy and the thing that people are pointing out, as you mentioned, is self-flagellation. So in the wake of a shameful event, I don't know what's to stop him from wielding this in his comedy, to be perfectly honest with you, besides besides the fact that I wish he wouldn't. <laughs> He's not going to listen to my opinion on this. The thing to keep in mind with Louis C.K. and with, with this event and with, you know, he had a movie that was supposed to be coming out next week called I Love You, Daddy, that uh, is not going to be coming out anymore. As of today, the uh, distributor Orchard has said, no, thanks. But the thing to remember about Louis C.K. is that he's someone who has a website where he posted a show, Horace and Pete. He self-financed I Love You, Daddy. He is a successful artist. That's part of the reason that these allegations have been sort of rumors for so long rather than publicly, you know, publicly alleged. I just don't know what's to stop him from self-financing more of his own art and releasing it on his website. You know, I just I don't know what. I mean, like, is he going to be granted an audience? I think it's going to be a diminished audience. But I still think that there's a chance that we have not seen the end of Louis C.K. Your point about him incorporating this or not incorporating this in his material going forward does make me think about the movie, Mm. the scrapped movie, I Love You, Daddy, which you've seen. I have seen seared into my memory. Okay, so the movie's release has been scrapped. Am I correct? That that's the state of play now. Yes. It just won't get a release. That initially when when before the New York Times story dropped, we knew it was about to drop because the premiere was canceled. Right. And in the in the you know, at this point it has been they pulled the plug. Complicated movie. Uh for people who have or haven't heard about this movie, it's called I Love You Daddy. In the movie, Louis C.K. plays a divorced TV writer whose 17-year-old daughter, played by uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, starts dating an 80-something film director who's based on Woody Allen. Uh, and that film director is played by John Malkovich. That's Leslie Goodwin. I've wanted to meet him my whole life. I'll be the best filmmaker of the last 30 years or more. Okay, well, he also dates really young women, and he's, what, like 80 years old? Hi, I'm Leslie. Hi. You're with Leslie Goodwin? Isn't that weird? not that weird. He likes young girls. <laughs> yes, he does. And the movie is a, a deliberate throwback to Woody Allen's own movie from 1979, Manhattan, down to the fact that in, in Manhattan, Woody Allen plays a TV writer who falls in love with a 17-year-old girl played by Muriel Hemingway. Uh, and in this, Lucy K is the TV writer and his daughter is a 17-year-old who falls in love with an Allen-esque persona. And the movie's central questions, I think are how do we relate to the art of an alleged abuser? You know, the, the the Woody Allen character in this movie is someone who is a hero to the Louis C.K. character. Uh, and so it becomes about, you know, 
This guy is dating his daughter. This guy is showing up in his house. This guy is taking his daughter to Paris and all these things. And it's just about the limits that this this director keeps crossing and the ways that Lucy Case character sort of just keeps letting this director get away with what he is very uncomfortable with. So there's a there's a like a frankly like a, an interesting question in here about how we keep moving the bar for people that we think are abusers whose art we like. The problem, um, I mean, there. <laughs> it sounds that sounds fundamentally problematic. Uh, I mean, as a question, it's a legitimate one. It's just that Louis C.K. is not the person who can really be asking that question unless he's doing more of the self-flagellating, hyper-self-aware art that he's known for. This is just another piece of, I think, Louis C.K. doing the thing that he does where it's like, yeah, there are all these rumors about me, so I'm going to make this movie that's really about Woody Allen. But in this movie, I'm going to have a character played by Charlie Day, who's an actor, who has this whole bit where he masturbates at the mention of a, a hot woman, and he masturbates himself to completion. It's not just like a, a little jerk-off motion. It's like a, you know, ongoing, multiple-minutes-long thing that he does in front of women, right? It's sort of like Louis C.K., who knows that there are rumors about his masturbation scandal, making a character in his movie that does things like this. This is classic Louis, right? The audacity of it is, I think, what I wish people would get to see, frankly. It's not just, oh, here's a comedian that you like who has this sort of vaguely feminist repertoire that people enjoy. It's him being this beloved comedy figure who also had these rumors dogging him for a long time. And his way of engaging with those rumors was to explicitly deny them in the press. But then do these bits that are basically him edging and getting off on his impunity and getting off on the fact that no one believes that in real life this is how Louis C.K. behaves. It's just... I haven't seen it yet, but I'm sure it's already out there. The sort of like, what is comedy? Why shouldn't comedy be able to walk these lines? This is what comedy does. This is what comedians do stuff. What are we going to do with that conversation? I'm I'm interested in what we, the public, are going to do. I believe it's just to take... All the Money in the World, the movie with Kevin Spacey, and be like, okay, we're going to erase him from this movie. Absolutely. We're going to call Christopher Plummer. He's going to replace you. Good call you. from Ridley Scott there. Like, I believe in these nuclear options. I think that I, I get that some people maybe look at it and think, well, it's complicated. I mean, I, I feel like there are people who look at erasing Kevin Spacey the way that Republicans look at erasing Confederate monuments, right? Like they have this sort of perverse <laughs> sense of, well, it reflects our history. And it's it's like, no, you need to purge these things from the culture so that people know that the force of hell will meet you if you behave Scarlet like Scarlet Letter his ass. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like in the short term, it seems unreasonable because it's a new norm and people don't people right. aren't comfortable with change. But in the long term, and they don't want to reject artists that they love. Right. But yeah. it's like in the long term, the goal is to reset the culture of Hollywood and other industries such that people can't behave by whipping their penis out at people who don't want to see that and in professional setting. Yeah. I mean, that's an extreme behavior. And I just don't see how you reset the culture of an industry to discourage that without taking extreme measures, ending Louis C.K.'s career, purging Kevin Spacey from a movie. Well, that said, we don't even know that, we don't know whether Louis C.K.'s career is over. We don't know where this ends. We may have to stick a pin in Louis C.K. for now.
This week, I want to talk about one of the few sympathetic entertainers left in all of American entertainment, it seems like, who has been embroiled in some legal turmoil that is basically going to get him sit to prison for a couple of years, it looks like. Uh, I'm talking about Philadelphia rapper Meek Mill. Uh, on Monday, Meek was sentenced to two to four years in prison for violating the terms of his probation. So Meek's been struggling with the courts uh, and with his probation officer since 2007 when he was originally arrested for drug possession in Philadelphia, right? So the terms of his probation since then have basically restricted his ability to travel and perform. And he's a rapper. This is what he does. His living, right, is performing, recording music, releasing music. And the terms of his probation have basically frustrated his ability to make a living for himself. Right. So Meek is, to a lot of people outside of rap, he's mostly famous for his feud with Drake that he got into a few years ago. There were a few memes and records that were traded (laughs) over this. They gonna ask if I can play the shit back to back. Yeah, they want it back to back. They gonna ask if I can play the shit back to back. But so, for instance, I first really started reading about Meek's court cases during that time because during the beef with Drake, There was a weird story that happened where basically the court barred Meek from releasing new music and they barred him from touring. And so it was a strange moment where it's like two rappers are in a beef and one of them is basically being restrained by a criminal court from doing the thing that rappers do during a beef, which is release music. Right. Um, and so I keep mentioning Drake during this just because I, that feud with Drake, which Meek lost very badly and in a very humiliating way, colors a lot of how people perceive Meek Mill. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and even in even in rap fandom itself, right? Like in general, you know, if a rapper like Gucci Man, right? Like Gucci Man was in prison for a few years. Little Boozy was in prison for a few years. If a rapper goes away to prison. Generally, the rap community is very sympathetic. They're like, free this person. Free Shmurda, free Boozy. It was a hashtag before there were hashtags. Right, yeah. right, exactly. Free, Yeah, free Boozy is like the original hashtag. It is the, like, in the aughts, man, like 2008, free Boozy. But when, when the news that Meek was going to prison broke, the mood was different in an Absolutely. interesting way that where people were basically like oh man meek mill caught another this is just another sign that meek mill lost the feud with drake but it's a morbid joke right because the l that meek caught isn't that he you know drake made a funny joke about him or something it's right. that he's going to prison and it was only after basically you know monday is when we learned learned about the sentencing and it's only after a few journalists were sort of pointing out the weird context of of Meek's probation and his relationship with the judge. If you start looking at his judge and at his probation officer and at the sort of times he's run afoul of probation in Philadelphia, you basically have these people in Philly on the ground, these reporters who are like, this case is, this case is kind of fucked, right? So Billboard, Billboard, uh, I want to say on Tuesday reported a story that the judge in Meek's case, Janice Brinkley, tried to get Meek Mill to sign to her friend's record label. And then there was another anecdote about her wanting Meek Mill to record a cover of a Boys to Men song. I want to say most of these stories are from Meek's attorney. Okay. They are from Meek's attorney. They are nonetheless strange things for an attorney to say, for a criminal attorney to say about a judge in a in a case. Yeah. So 
there isn't a lot of, beyond the, the sort of billboard reports now, there's not a lot of substantiating reports because there are not a lot of music publications that have covered any of this. I'm taking it seriously. Right. Right. And I find this pretty frustrating, right? So yeah. you basically have a rapper who's about to go to jail. You over have some bullshit. Over some bullshit. You have a lot of, you have some emerging evidence suggesting that the reasons he's about to go to jail, I should say that like Meek Mill has basically violated the terms of his parole occasionally by riding dirt bikes around Philadelphia and smoking weed. Those okay. are basically how he's run afoul of the judge in right. his case. The reasons why he's going to go to jail seem to be kind of shady. And music journalism, despite the fact that music journalism was very happy to cover Meek Mill when he was sort of engaged in this comical feud with Drake, as though it was not really paid a lot of attention to the circumstances. And also another iron, an irony of this is that we're all woke now. <laughs> right. So this right? is the thing. It's this like, is it, someone going to jail. Talking, if, you, if you're talking about a Kendrick Lamar record, if you're talking about a Gucci Mane record, like it's very popular for music journalism to engage almost overly seriously with the idea of, you know, rappers and the prison industrial complex and yeah. things like that. And, and that's all true in a sort of music criticism, liberal arts degree album review sort of way. Right. But when you put that in contrast with the fact that Meek doesn't really seem to have a lot of advocates. He doesn't seem to have a lot of people who are that invested in reporting this story out. And I find that strange and frustrating. And I haven't figured out why. And as you're saying before, he is the butt of a joke. And I don't, somehow that seems like it hasn't really changed course in light of all this. It's just not, the story that we seem to want to tell about Meek, I guess I'm wondering how we go about changing that. Why are we so attached to this narrative of him being a loser? People are only going to give a shit about any of this, about this this extremely weird court case that seems to have made Meek Mill a loser in a real way in the criminal justice system after he does his time and comes back and finds that he's unable to restart his music career. It's fascinating that this is all a matter of persona, really. Yeah. Uh, Well, it's unfortunate that it's all a matter of persona, really. Speaking of personas. We're going to talk about somebody whose persona is starting to wear a little bit thin. We're going to talk about Taylor Swift, who's got a new album out this week. We're going to talk about her on our segment, DIY. Uh, in our next segment, DIY, where Cam and I subject ourselves to some shit that people can't stop talking about. And people can't stop talking about Taylor Swift and this new album called Reputation. I'm sorry, the old Taylor can't come to the phone right now. Why? Oh, because she's dead. Full disclosure, I was going to listen to this album either way because I happened to on average, like Taylor Swift's music. The thing about this album was that we kind of knew it was going to be some bullshit based on these singles. <laughs> but the thing about the actual album is that it's not the bullshit I expected. This is not the bullshit you are looking for. I don't know what to say. Taylor Swift's new album, Reputation, is boring. It is hardly a Taylor Swift album. It did not really get much of a rise out of me one way or another i will cop to liking i will cop to liking one song and it wasn't one of the singles i will cop to liking endgame the one that had ed sheeran on it i don't even know what's endgame featuring 
Ed Sheeran. I don't even know what to say. And for the myself. rapper Future. I don't know what to say. That's your pick. I apologize. That's your critic's choice? That's what this album has done to me. I, I t- Charity, help me, help me with this album because I, you wrote about this as well this week. Went into this album having at least among our friends collectively agreed that we were preparing for it to be a failure because the singles, Look What You Made Me Do, et cetera, were just not, they were provoking something that was not provocative. They were just not interesting. They were bad songs, but more importantly, they were putting forward a persona that just, the old Taylor is dead. I don't know what to say. Who is that? I want to reiterate what you just said. Like We were expecting some bullshit, but this isn't the bullshit we expected. Yeah. I think that's it, except I kind of did expect it. Because I, I will say... expected it to be boring. Well, so you, you pointed out that the singles are just all over the place and not great. And people were panning them. And people, they they sort of bricked relative to the 1989 singles, certainly, which stayed... Deservingly They so. went number one and they stayed number one. And that's what they did. And these songs are debuting high, but they're just dropping like flies. Uh, in terms of the fact... As far as the bullshit that one did or did not expect goes, the second single from this album is a song called Ready For It, which may be a promo single, actually. I think right. it was but it's anyway. the opening track on the album. The second song we got to hear on the internet from this album is Ready For It. Right. And Ready For It is, is a song that every time I try to listen to it and watch the music video, I just struggle to understand what not only what the song is about, but what the emotional through line of it is. It seems so musically confused and emotionally confused that... And emotional through lines are Taylor's thing. Right, that's the thing. That's her talent. Like, you know what the emotional through line of Blank Space is. Well, to be fair, she has the same emotional through line that she's had since she was 12. Sure. But... Right, it's legible. I get it. She is not the first child talent, though, to have to grow up and have a musical career. You know what I mean? It, these no, she's not the first to fail to grow. That's up. also true. That's also true. <laughs> I, but I find this album frustrating because everything about it, on the individual song level, and then on the level of how songs relate to each other, everything about it sounds like it's made by a person who doesn't know. She sounds like somebody who doesn't know what a Taylor Swift song is supposed to sound like anymore. She's lost in the sauce. I would never call myself a Taylor Swift stan, but I've also always had to concede, despite always being suspicious of her her persona, that she can write a hook. But I, I don't know what to do with this album in which nothing stands out, really, about her. Right? Like, these songs could belong to anybody. I think pop stars get to hide behind persona and narrative a lot. Yes. Right? So I'll, I'll say that. We encourage it. You know, I, take 1989, which is a hugely successful Taylor Swift album, yeah. released three years ago, had massive singles. So let's take one of the biggest singles from that album, sure. Bad Blood, which I think is a horrible song. You think? Okay. <laughs> I think that song is horrible. But, wow. but constitutionally, I get what that song is. It's petty, bratty, combative, rah-rah, anthem song. Got it. Okay. I get what this is. It's a combative pop song. Sure. And I just am like, where is that? Where did that clarity go? Where did that clarity of who she is? It went into what the song titles, like? right? Yo, totally. <laughs> the music, the song. The song. <laughs> can we read some of these songs? I don't know. Can we, yeah, can we? Yeah, can we please read some of the songs? Actually, Endgame, 
Call it what you want. Which you made me do. The lead single. I Look, did something bad. I did Don't blame bad. me. So it goes. Call it what you want. I look at the track list and I'm like, okay, this is going to be Fuck the Haters, the album from Taylor Swift. That's an album that we've all heard before from many people. It's a, it's a legitimate lane for an album. It's an album that I appreciate. Totally. And I think she got the song titles right. That's the thing. But that's what I mean when I say that pop stars can hide behind. They can hide behind persona and marketing in a way that that clarity on a marketing level, on a presentation sure. level, and the gulf between how just, again, emotionally just confused and unsure and musically unsure and muddled it all sounds. And yet I, I just have a feeling that by the end of this day, which is the first the release day for the album, I don't know. I, I feel like the critical tide is basically people saying, oh, this album's decent. I don't think it's, it's decent. It's fine. I mean, I will say as someone who loves the song Bad Blood, the thing about that song that's especially petty to me is that it's an earworm. I think even if you hate it, you could immediately recall the melody. Could you not? You know how, yeah. you know how Bad Blood yeah, goes. Yeah, for sure. You, you hear Bad Blood, I hear it in my sleep. You know, it's, it's just like... It's an earworm. It's it's a good, it's a successful pop song. I can't say that about anything here. I think the best way to say fuck you to the haters is to... Make good music! Yes! <laughs> Make a good-ass album! Which she didn't, which is too bad. But 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 I will also say another trend in, in the way that we talk about these things is being so unforgivable with a bad album. I think a bad album is fine. I would say this is her first bad album. You know what? I'm just going to put my ear to the ground to hear singles and when I finally hear a single that sounds like Taylor Swift remember how to make a song again fine but I'm not I'm not I think that's fair yeah we're never gonna get another style we're never getting another bad blood I think Taylor Swift in 2017 is just in a totally different musical landscape than she was in 2014 when 1989 came out right like right sure Taylor Swift is re-emerging in Cardi B's America (laughs) And I just think that in Cardi B's America, in Post Malone's America, because I'm telling you, like Future, you know, Future and Kendrick Lamar were big artists around the time 1999 came out, but they couldn't chart the way that Taylor Swift could be number one for weeks at a time. Sure. Like they had songs, but they didn't have Taylor Swift level songs. And now the charts and the, the, the streaming service playlists, like those are all dominated by Lil Pump, Future. Post Malone, they're dominated by rappers. The The market is so saturated with rap running musical taste and youth culture right now that it just seems like having this Fox News blonde white girl come out Ooh. with her follow-up to 1989, it just seems like you, ca- you came out of cryostasis at the wrong time. Cardi B's America didn't vote for Trump, though. I still think, I still think that, like... Sure. Taylor Swift's fan base. Yeah, I'm not saying that white people evaporated overnight. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that that happened. I'm just saying that though it's it's different. It's not just that like rap exists, white pop exists. They've always existed in tandem. I'm just saying that in in terms of the musical landscape, in terms of commercial music, rap and R&B and rap adjacent things and rap crossover are running the table so thoroughly. And Taylor Swift so, seems so polar opposite to all of those influences that it's weird to have a Taylor Swift album in the mix with that musical landscape. Well, in conclusion, uh, listeners, if you have strong opinions, strong favorable opinions about this Taylor Swift album, please tweet at us because we sure as hell do not. And I, we would love to understand uh, if you have uh, 
Strong feelings about Reputation, the Taylor Swift album with no hits. That aside, though, I think that wraps it up for us this week. What do you think, Cam? Yeah, I'm done. We'll reemerge into the real world. Bad shit will have happened. And we'll be back to talk about it again on Damage Control. Until then, everybody, chill out, relax, don't at me, and free Meek Mill. Free Meek! Free Meek!